Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to the Sing When You're Losing podcast, a podcast designed to help you learn to make the most of every situation. I believe that setbacks and struggles aren't meant to stop us, they're meant to teach us. Across this series, I interview athletes, coaches, managers, trainers, and more so that we can glean from their wisdom and learn from their stories for how to sing when you're losing. Today, I get the opportunity to speak to my friend, the manager of Tramia Rovers Football Club, Mickey Mellon. Mickey is a straight talker with a lot of life experience and managerial experience, and he opens up areas of his life that even I hadn't heard about until now. You get to learn what he thinks it takes to make it as a professional football player, what he loves most about being a manager, and most of all, we hear about his own battle with mental illness after his retirement as a player. As always, this episode is recorded online, so please be patient with the occasional lack of sound quality. If you can persevere, I have no doubt that you will enjoy it and grow from it. So get comfortable and join me, your host, Buddy Owen, as we all learn to sing when you're losing. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to Seeing When You're Losing, your podcast that helps you learn to make the most of every situation. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode with Neil Meller, uh, sticking with the football theme. This week, we're here with Mickey Mellon. Uh, Mickey, you may know, he's been around football for quite a while now, a few clubs as manager, several clubs as a player, and is currently at Tranmere Rovers on the Wirral. So Mickey, welcome to Sing When You're Losing. Thank you, buddy. Good to see you, man. It's really good to see you. It's been far too long. This lockdown has has kept us apart. I'm missing missing your biscuits, buddy. Missing the biscuits, yes. (laughs) Not me as much as the the chocolate biscuits. Uh, Yeah, missing seeing all of you fellas as well. Just missing football in general. You must be missing it a bit too. Yeah, I am. Um, but enjoying what we have at the minute, the, the time with the family and, and the weather's good. I'm very fortunate that we have a, a house here that we've been in a long time, so we have pretty much everything here that we need, so we're very grateful for that. Nice. So I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying, you know what I'm like, buddy, you know me well. I kind of don't wish for anything else. I, 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 I enjoy what I've already got. Yep. So I'm, I'm enjoying this and making sure that uh, I get out on the bike and get your exercise done and spend time with the family and get the dogs walked and all the, the other yeah. things. Then when the football starts back up again, whenever it does, I'm going to enjoy that again as well. Yeah, very good. So is that, uh, that's kind of how you're spending your lockdown right now, cycling, dog walking, uh, anything yeah, else? I've got a gym at the house, got a gym here. So my wife's a personal trainer, so she has her own gym here. So it's got, got a cracking gym. Very handy. We've got beautiful sunshine at the minute that I know that you enjoy, buddy. Uh, so we've got that as well. So we're yep, getting the dogs out, walking, got the mountain bikes. I live not far from the beach. So I got on the promenade with a bike. So just keeping nice, keeping uh, safely fit, if you like. Yeah, nice. How are all the injuries, the calf injuries and, and all those things that you've been fighting right, so I've with? stopped that running. That, that running game's not good to me, buddy. I tried, haven't I? Yeah, Just yeah. Can't, can't 
can't seem to sustain it, so I'm on the old iron horse near the bike. Yeah. Just ploughing away in the old iron horse and putting this, the putting the uh, interval training in on that when I when I can and like I say I've got the gym here so we uh, we're, we're we're getting on mate but we're, we're okay. Good, good, good that you're staying active. So important right now to stay active and uh, just helps keep the the mood up and definitely. Uh, helps keep you going during these tough times. So uh, you've, as I said earlier, been in football a while. Uh, why don't you tell us a little about your background? Where are you from? Uh, for, for people listening from outside of the UK, the accent is going to be a, a little bit strange for some of them. So where are you from? Tell us a little bit about your, your background. Well, I'm from Scotland, Glasgow. Played football from a very early age. Played until, played probably from was in the streets with my friends from whenever I can remember then get involved in probably teams at run about the age of probably 10 and 11 at school and things like that and then kept progressing and started to get involved with the professional clubs then in Scotland and then at 16 became a young professional at Harps which is a team in Edinburgh one of the big series, biggest senior teams in Scotland and then I got the opportunity to go to England when I was 17 and I went to Bristol City which is in the south of England in another big football club then from there I went to West Brom West Brom I went to Blackpool Blackpool Tranmere Tranmere to Burnley and then Burnley back to Tranmere and that's where I finished my my playing career So been around a little bit Yeah well that all the clubs there were were in a an era from probably I started playing senior football from 16 to it was probably about 33, 34. So there for different amounts of time, but in between nothing, only just football. I've only ever just done football. Yeah. Was was that always your dream to be a footballer? Yeah. Yeah. Never really thought about anything else. Not that I can think about. Just totally focused on when, I, when when we used to go to the careers lady, we used to get the, the careers lady at 14 in, in Glasgow. And she'd come into the, into the school, and I'm sure many, many footballers will say that have been through this. And she said to me, because you have to pick your stu- your subjects for the next two years when you're 14 in Scotland, so that's your, we're going for all levels then. She picked maths and science and all that kind of stuff. And she said, what is it you, you're going to do? And I was, I'm going to be a football player. And she started laughing. She went, yeah, I, I get that one all the time. I said, no, I am. I'm a football player. And she went, well, I hope so. I said, yeah, I hope so. But meantime, let's pick some, a serious um, profession that you can go into. And I went, a football serious, I'm going to be a footballer. She went, well, I'm, and then she, put, she said, well, if we're going to carry on this, we need to speak to the headmaster. Because we're not going to take this serious. And I said, yeah, speak to him. So <laughs> Caught the headmaster, and uh, the headmaster came in, and he said, "What's the problem?" And she said, "Michael, because at school I was Michael. Michael's saying he's going to be a footballer, and the headmaster goes, "Yeah, he probably is. <laughs> <laughs> probably is. So that's all he does. In fact, we have problems. That's all Michael wants to do." And I went, "Yeah." And he said, uh, "But you still, Michael knows you got to get an education. I went, I, I so and then I picked my subjects, but it was never for another profession, <laughs> just to get the the qualifications, if you like. 
So yeah, that's what happened when I was uh, at school. Yeah, that sounds like you as well. You were always going to choose, but you had to make the point that I'm I'm going to choose this, but not as my profession, but only because I have to. <laughs> yeah, only because I have to, because you're... I, the quicker I pick something, the quicker I can go to this room and play football. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, in all of your travels to the various clubs, uh, is there a particular club that stands out for you, or a particular, you know, particular highlight in your career that stands out? I've been very lucky, buddy, because I can honestly I couldn't separate any of them, and that would suggest that I haven't had a bad time at any of them. I was very lucky that my first club, Bristol City, only went when I was 17 and we got promoted to the Championship at 17 years of age. Played in the Championship as a 17-year-old, got a bad injury, came back, played in the Championship again, then got the opportunity to go to West Brom, which for anybody in England knows is a massive, massive football club, one of the biggest probably in the country, certainly in the top 10, 15 clubs in the country, the chance to go and play there. And we won promotion again. So at Wembley, so terrific, kept going. Um, so all my clubs worked with great managers, worked with some brilliant footballers, great characters, paid the bills for me football, um, enabled me to do some fantastic stuff and bring up a family and all the rest of it. So couldn't really separate it, if I'm honest. And wished I could to give you a better story, but... Couldn't really separate any. I loved it. I've loved everywhere I've been and, and found a, a healthy amount of success at all of them. Yeah, good. Who was the best player you ever played with? Wow. So that's always a difficult one because I'm a football manager now and I'm a coach. So it's hard to separate them because I would always go back to there as better at what? You know, yeah. a better defender, better attacker, better goal scorer, better all-round player. Better, you know, there's so many. I've played with yep. so many guys. I've played with some strikers that were the best that's ever played in England. I played with Andy Cole, John Aldridge, fantastic players Yeah, um, who will be remembered for forever in football, really. So, it's again, it would be difficult for me to say just... I mean, I played with Ian Wright as well. He was an Arsenal legend, England legend. Bob Taylor, terrific striker. So I've been blessed that clubs that I've gone to who have been successful they need good players buddy yep. and um, obviously because I was successful I've had a good career I believe I've always played with good players so it would be hard to say who was the best player that I played with all round because they were all good at certain things specialists sure. and might not be good at other things that's, yep. that's the coach's head coming up <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll come to that coach's head in just a few minutes. Uh, was there ever a player that you played with? Uh, now, I, you know, I know you from Tranmere and as a manager, and we can talk about that as well, but a player that you played with, so not managed, but played with, who was fantastic on the training pitch, but then just couldn't do it on match day. Yeah, I think there's many for some reason, just can't switch the focus onto just the game. They'll get, you know, I'm into my psychology, you know, buddy, you know, that. Yeah, yeah. Deeply into that. I just think that they find it difficult to focus only on their task to just go and play football. They'll allow everything around them to affect them, the environment, the game, the expectation, the pressure. And they worry more about that 
and that will take away from the performances. And I try and fix that when I'm a manager and I try and get them to focus on just their part in a game of football. Mm-hmm. Hence the reason why I've picked you, just couldn't do your job. But when I was a player, many, many. Um, and then I've also had ones in the opposite. During the week in training, you would think, wow. And then the, the whistle goes, the ball starts to roll on a Saturday, then you go, something to him. You just become a different animal. So if it's as many of them as what I've had the other way, so there's been a good balance to it. In speaking to some of the other footballers that uh, I've interviewed, they talked about commitment when it came to the players who could do it maybe in training, but never really made it on the pitch or maybe it never even succeeded fully in their careers. They, they, they were talking about these players who, for whatever reason, just couldn't commit to it. It wouldn't do the little things right. They uh, couldn't commit to the details and, and really ended up uh, killing their careers because, because they couldn't do that. Do you see much of that? Well, absolutely, because like I've said, this is the coach speaking and the, and the guy who does a lot of psychology stuff. There's many parts to being a footballer. And it's not just how you can control and pass a football. Like a 360 degree thing that a footballer has to be good at in order to be a complete player. And within that, if you imagine it, I was in my head, I I picture it as a little triangle of chunks. So there'll be a triangle of chunk for technical ability. But that's only a small part of the 360 degree cake, if you like. There has to be desire. There has to be commitment. There has to be mentality. There has to be ambition, consistency. All of the parts have to come together to make a footballer. And if you've got any flaws in any of the areas, then you're not going to be a footballer. And that's what you have to explain to people very, very early in their careers. That the ones who are going to make it are simply better footballers because they have more of the cake, more of the triangle pieces. They have the technical ability, but they have the, all the other needs, need-to-haves, if you like, as well. So when I see players now and everybody goes, what a brilliant player, why didn't he do that? And I would just straight away in my head, I'll just go, because there's something missing out of the 360-degree circle, something missing that he just did not have and other players did. That's the way it is. So at Tramia, for instance, and you're looking at the uh, the youth squad, thinking, okay, who's the next one that's going to come through? What are you looking for? Desire. I can yeah. see it a mile away. Commitment. And then there's other little things. I hope none of them are watching this. <laughs> <laughs> there's other little things. I'll bring them in with the group. Anyway, the first team group, and I think they get to a certain stage, and I'll see how they can handle pressure. Because they have to learn about pressure because they've came in with the first team and I'll look and I'll see how they handle being with the first team because the first team is very demanding of them. And then I'll look at things like when one of the first team makes a bit of contact with them, see how they react to that, dare they come back at them, have they got the fight. I'll look at them in running sessions and see when the pain comes on, have they got the, the minerals, the desire to want to dig in because we think that it's played a game of football tell you it's hard work, it's, you're, you're suffering, you're in pain. And it's the ones who are prepared to suffer the most that will perform 99 times 100 the better. I'm not saying I'm any kind of genius, buddy, but I've been in it a long time. I can look and I can go, no. If they've not got desire, they've got no chance. It's a massive part of that circle I just spoke about. Ability gets you to me, but the ones who push on and push past that are the ones that will make it. That'll be the big one. That'll be a, that'll be a, real, that'll be a real game changer. 
in terms of the young ones because you can watch in games and I watch and I watch because two, two athletes going together even in a youth team game and if I look and he's the one that bends all the time the one that's playing for me that's his mentality he's not right he's not strong enough is it just the way he is can I, can I improve it can I dig in and if the answer is no I'll not sign him if you've, got, if you've not got desire nah, you're no good I've seen you lead quite a lot of training sessions but I've always wondered, what is your favorite aspect of coaching and management? Do you like the one-to-one with the players best? Is the tactical thing that's best? What, which, which bit sticks out for you? I, I'm sure you like most of it, but which is your favorite bit? Favorite bit is winning. It would be, it needs to be equal to that. Because if you walk back from winning, there's been a process to get to winning. So you get satisfaction out of hard work going into a win. All the things that go into putting a performance on a game of football, improving footballers, looking for that wee light bulb moment coming on in players and getting satisfaction with player looking at you and going, you've just switched me on. I mean, we know one, Norwood, to work with Norwood. And the moment when you switch the light bulb on and you make him aware, because he'd lost his ambition, Norwood. So he's an example because of many, maybe many people know him that are listening to this. I forgot yeah. ones like Jamie Vardy and the kind of guys as well. But when you get to them and you get inside them, you get a relationship with them and you say to them, look, these are the things that you need to be able to do in order to become and fulfil your potential. And your potential, because you're always guessing the potential. You have a problem in this country at the minute, we pay for potential, too much for potential. And people haven't actually fulfilled the potential. We pay for potential. It doesn't make sense to me. But anyway, but when you look at the player and you go eye to eye and you go, Listen, where do you need to improve? I believe you can. This is what you need to get better at. You need to do this consistently. You need to live better. You need to do this. I believe you can go to there. You can go and do this. I had a conversation on a training pitch with Jamie Vardy. He's playing for me in Norm League, and I said to him, you put all this together, you'll play for England. And he looked at me, and I said, I'm serious. You will play for England. You had everything. And I seen it. I said uh, to Norwood, you easily could play in the championship. Easy. But you've lost your ambition. You've just settled for this. So when you get that connection with the players and you see them going on to things that you worked hard with them to achieve, yeah. that's very satisfying as well. So the answer to your question, winning and um, player improvement, helping them fulfil their ambitions, give me a lot of self-satisfaction. But being able to go in and help a young man uh, improve as a human being I mean, we're having some at the minute that I'm that we're teaching about courtesy and empathy and don't speak to people the way that you wouldn't like to be spoke to yourself. Count to ten before you act. All these kind of things with guys who are in their early to mid-twenties, you're teaching them these kind of things. is also very satisfying to see them improve as a, as a human being as well. Yeah. Um, all of that I love and believe that that's why I do what I do. Why I do what I do, I do it for their reasons, and I get great satisfaction out of that. That's great. I do a bit of coaching as well, and that's that's always the best part for me is just seeing the player improve um, as a human and as a a player on any no, sort of just, level from grassroots to professional. I meant to speak to you actually about basketball because I've just been watching the Last Dance. Oh, it's fantastic, isn't it? Well. I'm blown away by the mentality of probably the world's greatest athlete, Jordan. I can't believe the depths that he must go to in his mind and he accepts it has to go there to be that. But there's in there, buddy, is 
all of what I've just spoke about yep. is everything that you need to know about what it takes to be that. Yep. Now, he's made many sacrifices, yep. unbelievable sacrifices, some that must have been really tough to make. And there's other people that have, to, have had to make sacrifices around about Jordan, Michael Jordan, because they've just accepted that this is what he has today to be what he is. So there's been a lot of collateral damage in him in order for him to be that. Yep. That, to me, if ever I could show somebody what it takes to be that, is probably the best documentary I've ever seen. Because I can now just go to people, would you want to be, and they'll say football, how good do you want to be, well, I want to be the best. All right, and go and watch that. And then come back and tell me how much and how deep you're willing to go close to Jordan and disappointment and no failure and, and all of that. How much are you willing to sacrifice for it? Yeah. And then tell me who you want to be. Because there's the elite. And that's the problem too many times, buddy, is too many people want it too easy and won't make the sacrifices. So yeah. there you go. Watch that. See what the, 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 the mentality has to be. And there's everything you need to know. It makes my life easy, anybody. Go watch that. Go watch him in training. Go watch how he drives his players beside him. He's willing Uh, to put it in, so he drags everybody with him. Yeah. I mean, I I could talk about Michael Jordan all day. I used to love watching him. I've read several of the biographies about him. I'm watching Save the Last Dance as well. And uh, Save the Last Dance. The Last Dance. Save the Last Dance is a movie. And I I could talk about him all day. And what I love about Jordan and any athlete that changes a game. So since Jordan played, basketball's never been the same. Tiger Woods changed the game of golf. When you get an athlete that that changes a game, inevitably, they're the athlete that has also worked the hardest. Exactly. I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that because, what is it Muhammad Ali says? The fight was won far away from the lights and the ring. It was won won on the roads at four o'clock in the morning when everybody else was in bed. That's what these guys make the difference. No, I, I know from my own experience, the best players work the hardest. Yeah. That shadow of a doubt. Could tell you stories about Ronaldo at Man United from coaches that are there that tell you that he single mindedly was going to leave no stone unturned and be the best version of himself that he was ever going to be. Yeah. And he put the man hours in and he lived the life and still does that enables him to, to sustain that level of performance. Yeah, that's right. And just um, you, you hear a, a lot of people sell themselves short because they think it's all about talent. You know, mm-hmm. I can I can be as good as Ronaldo, or I can be as good as Michael well, Jordan, think, or because I have the talent. Well, well, I think talent. You've got to be careful what you call talent, no. Because mentality is a talent. It's it's a learned through experience or acceptance. Like any skill, mentality is a skill. They get good at it. They don't wake up or be born, I don't believe, like that. It'll be the environment they're in, people affecting them in the right way, good role models, all of that. But it's a gained skill. So part of t- so talent for me isn't just about how good you are with the basketball. It's the mentality. Michael Jordan mentally is very talented. He's the extreme of talent mentality as well as uh, with a basketball. And he's also so talent 
His focus is a talent. How he can just only think about the gamer and how he comes back from... I mean, he had bad times in basketball. That's a talent to be able to, to, be able to come back from that again and understand the process of improvement as a talent. So he's learned that as well. So again, that 360 degrees, man, I think he's filled every pie. I think he's, every triangle, he's filled a lot. But you look at him now, buddy, and I'm on a guess, and I look at him now and I think, it looks like he's suffering still because he's involved in all different things now to try and fill the gap. Like yeah. the motorcycles and playing baseball and everything. He just has to keep the mind gone, doesn't he? I saw him and, play baseball live. <laughs> and, that, and that's maybe like a, a side effect of the levels that he has gone to in his head that unfortunately he's always going to have to have that. Yeah. I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't like to live like that. Having to keep striving all the time. No. And if I ever left football, I mean, I think that takes a certain type of person to be able to be pre- to be prepared to go to their depths, and that's the side effect of it. He's always going to have that now. He's going to some dark places in his head, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he's been trying to fill that void for a long time, at mm. the end of his career, and and ever since. I forgot he was fifty-five now. Yeah. So let's go on to that for a minute. The this thing of so for for Jordan, I mean, he was a special person. Um, a special talent, we could say. Uh, and like you say, the 360-degree talent, not just the basketball, on the court, game time. He he worked hard. Other people quit the team uh, because he pushed them too mm. hard. You know, he, so, uh, but he's, he's retired now and he's struggled to fill that void, that being, for him, the greatest player ever to play basketball. But we see the same thing in, in football, don't we? Yeah. That and and you don't have to be the best player that's ever played. No, but playing a professional sport, football, for instance, you for years and years you've been told where to be, when to be there, what to eat, what to wear, how to act. Everything's almost military style, and you've got that buzz that you're getting every Saturday match day. You retire. And you've not got any of that anymore. You've got less money coming in. The fans don't really care that much about you anymore. Uh, your relationships change. Everything changes. And mental health has now become uh, more of a talked about issue for professional athletes, playing professionals and retired professionals. How, for you, how have you, or maybe you haven't avoided that slump, but how have you avoided it or how have you worked through that? And how do you see current players working through that? Great question. No, I didn't avoid it. It hit me head on. And I can remember, and you know, I, I try and be dead transparent as a person in order to try and, if this can help anybody, then I'm happy with that. And I'll put my own, how people perceive me to the side. I don't, I, I'm not really that bothered about that, you know, buddy. I can remember when I finished playing, it was all right for a couple of months because I'd had the break from something that was that was consumed in all my life, 24-7. It always created the mood that was me, was how I was doing at football. How you change that, I don't know. That's for somebody else to... I'd probably be able to help people with that now. But then we didn't really have the help. I can remember going out with the dogs up the park and looking at the sky after a couple of months, praying 
for some direction. I had no direction. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I didn't. I thought about all different professions, and and nothing interested me. Yeah. Nothing, because I just loved football, and I can honestly remember doing that. And then spare time, probably drinking more than I needed to, filling time. It was time for me. It was the yeah. filling of time that I struggled with, and still no direction. And then the the sort of panic comes in, and then. I just you just don't know where to turn, and people close to you then can really be the big help. Mm. Because my wife Jane walked in one day, and this had gone on for about a year, eighteen months, and this directionless and just having no I call it Friday feeling. You know when you get to Friday, everybody gets to Friday. Everybody goes, yeah, brilliant Friday. The weekends here, it's not every day for me. Yeah. Every day was a Friday. Every, no, sorry, every day was just another day. So people work hard, get a Friday, and then they celebrate working hard, didn't they? And I had no celebrating to do. I was just this sort of plateau thing. So my wife came into me one day and said, um, I'm just going to sit there forever. And I said, well, I don't know what else to do. And she went, well, I suggest that you get off your ass, stop feeling sorry for yourself, and do something. So do you know what I did, buddy? This is true. I walked across the road to the pub across the road, and the first guy I bumped into, and I told him this story the other day, actually, it's a guy called John Scarlett. He was a great friend of mine still. And I walked into him, and he went, you all right? And I went, yeah. And he went, you all right? And I went, and this is, here's the, the, the lesson. Tell him you're not all right when you're not all right. Yeah. Tell him. And I went, well, actually, John, no. And I went, why, what's up? And I said, John, what do you do? And he said, um, I work for BOC, I drive, I'm the manager of uh, gas, we're driving gas, one of the biggest companies in England, actually. I never knew that at the time. What do you do? And I said, I work for BOC. And I said, get me a job. And he went, well. And at this time, Everybody in the pub knows who I am, supposedly. Mickey Mellon, the footballers, played at high end of the championship, all the rest of it. I said, what do you do? He said, what? I said, get us a job. And he went, all right. Now I expected them to laugh, but he never. He went, tomorrow morning, seven o'clock, get a pair of steel toe cap boots, you're in. So went across the road. Tried to source these steel toe cap boots. Next morning, seven o'clock, turned up, and I'm in a gas truck delivering gas to the northwest of England, to the pubs, and I loved it. Wow. Buddy, I loved it, mate, right? I loved having somewhere to be. One of the things you just said about football, somewhere to be, something to do. And I had an end time, and I got a Friday feeling back again. Mm. Suddenly my mood changed. It wasn't even something that I'd been to school and at 14 said I want to drive gas trucks. It was just doing something. Now, I did that something, and then from there, um, I happened to do a football club one day. I did a football club. And somebody recognised me. Now, I got through all that bullshit about you didn't drive and... 
gas trucks, you know. <laughs> just forget about that nonsense, you know what I mean? Just just get out and do something, man. Yeah, yeah. Just talk, just go and do something. I don't feel sorry for people now that come to me and go, oh, my God. I said, just go and do something. Go, do something, see how you go. You'll find your way. Something will happen. Because what happened to me? Yeah. So I went in, and the, the guy went, you didn't make it? I went, drive the gas truck. And he went, fancy doing a bit of coaching. And I said, oh, yeah. And then that story started from that moment meeting him, from walking into the pub, to meeting him, away I went. But I just took the bull by the horns, buddy. Yeah, I sat and did the woes me. And yeah, by the way, probably it was. Because all of a sudden, career's done, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. But, buddy, if you're not going to help yourself, mate, nobody else is. And yet, I understand there's people with mental health problems and the rest of it. We have a very close friend that is, mutual friend, I don't know if it's fair for us to mention him um, you know he comes into me and he gets his football fix yeah he suffers with mental health but he's grabbed the bull by the, th- the horns going to go and help still has his dips but he's been educated in it yeah told a process to, that comes along to deal with it and now he's marching forward now because he made the decision yeah that he had to get a grip of his thing he still has mental pro- mental health problems, but yeah. is more educated now and gives himself a better chance of coping with that. Yeah. And that, to me, is, he's an example to a lot of people or, or everybody, a lot of people, some people just are, are, really do have dark, a lot of dark moments, I get all that, but you must try and help yourself. He must, like I said, come tell people you're not well. Now, at the minute, we were losing games at Tramir, as you know, and yeah. I'm a winner. You know what I'm like, buddy, I'm bad. <laughs> I'm bad, mate, and I don't like getting beat. So I was getting, I was losing a wee bit of me. I was forgetting what I was there for. It wasn't, I wasn't meant to feel the defeats. I was there to help a group of lads to win. So went to see a psychologist. David Nightingale. You know David, don't you? Yeah. I just phoned him up. And again, same thing. Learned from the walking into the pub mate thing. Hiya, David. He goes, hiya, Mickey. How are you? And I went, not good, mate. And he went, right. What can I do for you? So I need a chat. He said, no problem. Because people will help you. People phone yep. me. I'd help them. I'd hopefully point them in the right direction. Come and see me, Mickey. So I went to see him. I was there about half an hour. And he straightened me up. Just... Folk, he, he jigged me, put me back into the right frame of mind of how I should think. Told me about coping mechanisms when this happens and what I should think about when this happens. And he said to me, Mickey, I said, I'm not going to cure you. You won't be cured of... There's nobody in the world that's always happy, mate. So yeah. I used to think that. Everybody's dead happy and, and I've just lost a game. Why is everybody all happy? And I'm not... Nobody's, oh, nobody's happy all the time. I'm not happy all the time. But accept that and learn about coping with that and then you'll move forward better. And that's yeah. the big learning thing that I've learned, buddy. Because I just grabbed the bull by the horns and accepted, yeah, things are pretty shit. But unless I tell him that I'm going to live in this world of shit, I really am. So I grabbed the bull by the horns. First thing is first is you admit to people that you need a bit of help. Yeah. And then you're on your way. And you will be unbelievably surprised of how that makes you feel. But more than that, 
how many people want to help you. Mm. You will then grab the bug of helping because people have helped you and you will take it to everybody else then. And that's a brilliant gift to be able to give to somebody is to say, all right then, can I help you? Yeah. Can I help you? And then when you ask somebody, are they all right? Actually ask them, are they all right? Are you all right? Are you actually all right? You know, don't just flippantly, because some people will go, hiya, how are you? Because it's just a trotted out sentence, isn't it? No, so actually, hiya, how are you? Meaning, mate, how are you? How are you? Tell me how you are. Yeah. Because I'm, I think you're a little bit wobbly. Are you all right? And I can help you with And the amount of times that people have gone, well, actually, no, I'm no Gaffer, no, I'm no Mickey, or unbelievable. And then I go, well, listen, join the club then. So we're on that gang, mate. Yeah. Can I help you? What, what is it? And then I point in the right direction. Tell me a wee bit about my experiences. Tell me about wee people that people that I've met that have had the same stuff. And suddenly they go, Was oh, everybody like that? Yeah, a lot of people met you. They all go through shit times. Mm. They just need to learn how to cope with or or, or, or try and understand there's people out there that will help you. Yeah. So true. The the biggest thing of uh, talk to someone. Just that first conversation is always the hardest. Yeah, that, that, that just allowing your voice just to say something. Just allow your, your, yourself to say no. When somebody yeah. says, you're right, and then you, you can trust that person. And you just, just allow yourself to go, no. And they go, oh. And then you're on your way. You're on your way. And that's yeah. important. And it's important, anybody who's watching this, who... Is um, in any way worrying about their mental health or embarrassed about their mental health and think they're soft and all that kind of stuff. No, we all suffer. We all suffer. Yeah. We all have good days, bad days, good moments, bad moments. Yeah. We all make poor decisions. We all make good decisions. But listen, it's life in it. But go and speak to somebody and. Yeah. And. Um, see where you go from there. And from my experience, I used to hate getting told, do this. No, only from my experience. I'm no professor in this. Only from my experience and from people that I've spoke to. Go speak to people. Yeah, and that's what my business is all about, is helping athletes avoid those pitfalls, nearing retirement, going into retirement. Uh, I think you were talking about Chris Kirkland earlier. Um, and yeah. we'll mention him because he's already, he, I had him on the podcast a, a couple of weeks yeah. ago and, and he, you know, he talked a bit about his experience and uh, again, it was having that first conversation for Chris. Uh, that was the most difficult part. We, we talked a bit about the number of players who are now contacting the FA, uh, sorry, the PFA for help with mental health issues, how that has skyrocketed by roughly 500% over the last couple of years. Mm. It's a big issue. You know, it's, it's a big issue in society in general. And we often forget that footballers are human. Um, So they are, and it's a big issue within football as well. Uh, Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. That's, uh, I didn't actually know that little bit about you. So uh, I, I appreciate that as well. That, That was really helpful. Just uh, you you mentioned during that that Tramir went through a bit of a, a low patch uh, a few months ago now, 
which was a struggle for you and, and obviously for the club as well. And we're now kind of hanging in this kind of no man's land, waiting for someone to tell us what's going to happen next. Firstly, uh, with uh, just before the break, we Tramir had gone through that slump, but were on their way up. That must have felt good. I mean, this is probably the first season. I mean, I say that I had to go and speak to David about me. Um, this season is probably the first season I can honestly sit back and say um, that we sort of we, 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 we've always kind of been in, in control of how this was going to go so even though we're disappointed we're losing games we sort of sat down and because of our experiences as a, as a, as a management group we were determined to give the group that had got us two promotions in the trot an opportunity to play in League One we had to allow I think it wasn't a time there to be for me to go, right, get rid of everybody and bring no. These guys deserved a crack at seeing if they were League One players. I don't care what Emily says, they'll build a manager that say, You weren't ruthless enough. No. That's not everybody's different. They boys deserved a chance in my culture, the way I run my life, I believe they deserved a crack. So a crack they got, but we, we one thing that I was always going to be have in mind was Tranmere at the end of the day is what, who I, is what I work for and what I represent, the badge, Tranmere. So I was going to watch how they all progressed or didn't. And as it went along, we were going to have to replace because Tranmere at the end of the day had to stay up. Our one in the league was staying up. So we watched it closely. That's what I mean when we were in control of it or, or the process all the way through. Watched how they were all doing, watched how we were doing against certain teams and how certain things happened and how did we react to that and were we still believing, looking at them, did you still believe you could produce at this new level? It's a big step up. Then we started to make our mind up with a few things and we started to look at recruitment around about October, November and going, right, we need to recruit in certain areas in order to try and keep Tranmere, the badge, so we work for we need to keep this up side by side there was a chairman by the way he knew all this process so as we're going to line we're looking at that and then by the time we got to uh, January we pressed the button and we started to bring players in and you could see in the level of performances added to what was do- we believe was doing well who was handling League One the performances had started to turn the Watford games and things like that, yep. which started to turn the corner. And then as the manager, you look and you go, right, okay, it's turning and it's moving forward and it's still improving and I could see the improvement. And I, probably as much as anybody that's in, in the league, want to play these last games <laughs> because we know where we're at now. I know I've got a strong group that can take on pretty much end in this league now. I've got a goal scorer, I've got goal scorers and I've got defenders who can give me a chance of winning games because I don't need to score loads of goals now. Mark so Ellis go- must must have surprised you a little bit though, coming I back with Mark, his I goals. I've been in Mark, haven't I, before? I've been yes. in um, Shrewsbury. So I know what he's like. He obviously was one of the ones. He was like a new signing coming back in January. 
Yeah. So I was looking the colour. So they were like new signings. They were in our mind as new signings, new additions to this group that was going to carry us forward from January. So they were in my head anyway. They, they were coming in as new players. Um, so that was a process. And what we'll be disappointed about is if we don't get to finish the season, mm-hmm. is we won't be able to say to everybody, we planned that process. Sure. We got that to the detail right. We got it, we and able to show off, if you like, your skills as a management and a football club and experience that we had under control. And that's the thing that probably will disappoint you. They don't carry it on. That would be the thing. Would you want to carry it on even if it's behind closed doors? I wouldn't have any... Wouldn't bother, wouldn't bother me. But what would bother me is, and I mean this, health. Mm. Now, I've got players here who have vulnerable relatives. Sure. I've got them that there are players here. I can name you that this, 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 this is real life, these players are the main carer for their parents who have some serious problems, diseases and things. How can I rush them back for a game of football? Because if I said to them, because I said to the guys these up, if I said to some of them, listen, I need you to play, he'd say, all right, Gav. I'm desperate, I need you to play for, he'd play. But I'm not that type of guy because I know that if I thought for one minute that there was any chance of him Contracting anything, taking that back, that's just not right. Yeah. Morally, just not correct. You can't do that. And I don't think we're through that yet. I could yeah. not gar- make you any guarantees yet, buddy. Yeah. And I couldn't make the players any guarantees. Yeah. So until we get to that stage, which I think is some way away, then I, I just don't see where it's going to all fit in. So, in your opinion, uh, if the season is called now if they say that's it we know we can't finish now i mean i know i probably know what your preference would be but what do you think should happen in terms of this season does it just finish like it is and tramere is uh, with others are relegated or does it right, that's a difficult one then because there's loads of arguments for everything isn't there as much as you earn winning the league you earn staying in the league and you should be allowed the opportunity to be able to go and do that. What you can't do, I don't think, is give somebody something that they haven't not earned. So you couldn't relegate Tranmere because we haven't earned a relegation. We deserve no prize because we haven't earned that. Sure. We had 10 games to determine whether or no that's what we earned. We earned Stein and League or we earned our, our relegation. So you can't judges on that and it's the same difficult one we win in the league mm. how can you give somebody the league title when it's not done yet because we got promoted last season and the, the toughest games were the last 10 yeah by a million miles the 20 36 before that they were alright it's when the heat come on and somebody went you win this you might go and get promoted and by the way you're playing against another team that has the same <laughs> or they're going to get relegated. You know what I mean? They're the, they're the yeah. hardest ten. You can't, you cannot recreate the last ten games. They are the toughest. When you have three games to go and you have to win the day, and the team you're playing against has to 
wanting to not get relegated or vit or whatever. Wow, they have hard games. So not to play the 10 and then uh, get relegated it just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. But it's the decisions that Pete was going to have to make, but if they said that to me, I'd go, what? 10 games to go? Three points behind with a game in hand? Still to play them all? Haven't earned leaving the league yet? Yeah. More of an earned staying in it. But until I play the 10 games, how can you judge me? So maybe there's the answer. You can't judge me. Yeah. You're just going to have to flatten it, stop it, start again. There's also another problem in, in about six or seven weeks, buddy. I've only got nine players. Yes. Contracts, contracts yeah. are going to run it now, which creates another problem. I'm, I'm, we're already at the way we're in the league, but to play with nine men is going to be tough. <laughs> <laughs> and two doesn't, of them are goalies. Doesn't make it any easier. <laughs> I only play with one goalie, two of them are goalies. <laughs> <laughs> Unless we could make a Michael Jordan footballer, yeah, he'd be all right. Yeah, they're few and far between too, though. Yeah, aren't they? They are, yeah. Yeah, 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 they are. It's going to be fascinating to see how all that plays out. But yeah, just have to wait and see, won't we? Yeah. So, uh, just finishing up. I know you and I like to read a lot of the the same types of books. You've talked a lot about the kind of psychology stuff and the sports psychology and. Uh, we read a lot around sociology and anthropology or read a lot of the same stuff. What what have you read recently or what are you reading now that you would recommend? I read, um, I tell you it was good, I read uh, Meeting Strangers, which is uh, a great book. Yes, it's uh, Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah, Gladwell. Malcolm Gladwell's book. Malcolm Gladwell. How, to, how to Speak to Strangers or something, isn't no, it? How to meet, uh, Meeting Strangers, basically. Yeah, great book. How, how we judge people when you first meet them and you can't. Yeah. Can't. Yep. I've read that. Fantastic yeah, I read, book. Uh, Man's Search for the Meaning of Life. Okay. Oh, that's one of the best books I've ever read. Victor Frankl. Now, that's a sensational book. So they're the ones that have been reading. You know, I'm, I'm always reading anybody. Yeah. I always try and read a chapter a, a day, religiously. But thank you so much for agreeing to do this. I really appreciate it. I enjoyed it. talking to you, buddy. You're the first new face I've seen since lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's been really good to, cha- to talk too, to you, mate. You too. We uh, hopefully can catch up again soon. Yeah, no problem. Good to hopefully for a up. beer or a curry. No problem. We like the curries, don't we? <laughs> we do indeed. Yeah. Have another one again. Definitely. Right, my friend. All right, mate. Have a good evening. Good bless, pal. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Sing When You're Losing. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Mr. Mellon. Do feel free to subscribe to listen to past episodes. Also, share us with a friend if you know someone who might be interested. Until next time, I hope you have a great week. And don't forget to sing when you're losing.